hey, we're back. So uh, we are going to try to work in some more interviews into uh, the 1720 podcast format. And uh, we thought probably what is a better thing to do than start with our own team. And so with me today, I have Luke Orander, and he is uh, one of the three founding members of 1720.org and really has become an amazing friend to me and an, and an honest voice that can speak into my life and, and really keep me on track and kind of call me on my crap sometimes. And uh, for that, I'm very, very grateful. Uh, sure. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm usually behind the camera. Yeah, you are. So it's, it's nice to be uh, up front. So um, <clears throat> I'm married. Um, my wife and I are high school sweethearts. Um, we have two kids. My son is four and my daughter is two. What age did you guys get married? Uh, so we were married at 18. 18th birthday, uh, moved out of my house. I was 18 years old in three days. Moved out in January, enlisted in the Air Force delayed entry in March, April time. Graduated high school in May of 07. Mm -hmm. Went to the Air Force July of 07. Graduated basic training and then my technical training December of 07. And then got married mm. in in December of 07 as well. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, it was just a, a, a very whirl, busy whirlwind. year yeah. for us. Yeah, so we were 18. Um and then immediately moved to Texas because that was my first duty station. Right. Um, Abilene, Texas, middle right. of West Texas, nowhere. That was very hard on our marriage, but the best thing for our marriage. Two years after the, the passing of her father, she packs her bags and leaves with her high school boyfriend slash new husband and to a hotel room in Texas as we looked for our new apartment. Yeah, you guys took leave and cleave to yeah. to the ultimate. We we did something very similar, my wife and I, when we got married. We uh, we immediately left the house. Uh, within three months, or actually six months, we had moved to, we'd moved to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, interestingly enough, the way you put that, it was so true for us. It, it really is what made our marriage uh, and it's why I think we're so strong today because it was either we made it together or we just didn't make it. Period. You and I had to grow up really quick. So, so what do you what are you doing today in terms of your just your career? And then we're I think we could go back a little bit. But what what do you what are you up to right now? I like to consider myself a serial entrepreneur, right? And we've talked. You know, I think you can consider. Yourself I am. A serial, I am. Yeah, it. I think you I absolutely am a are. man. I yeah. am a serial entrepreneur. Right now, I, I own two companies. Um, my first company is a commercial real estate development firm that builds and leases clinics to the Department of Veteran Affairs. And, and through that process, you actually bring VA uh, clinics to places that are far flung and don't have, uh, in some cases, don't even have those kind of services already in, in place. Absolutely. And um, I also sell products and services into the VA. Mm -hmm. So that's my first, uh, what I call my main company. And then my second company is... Um, automotive dealership here in Denver. I refer to the car business as my side hobby or side hustle or, you know, yes, it's got to be profitable and it has to maintain itself. But at the same time, if I could help a single mom get in a good car, that's not going to break down. I'm, I'm happy to do that and would enjoy that. Technically, I own two companies, but the third entity is I currently have been, am the chairman of the board of 1720. And wow, yeah. really excited about that and the significant progression we've made um, 
for Christ's kingdom. Yeah, I, I, I've been so blessed by you in that capacity. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll get in business with folks and, and, you know, you're always looking to protect yourself. And, uh, it has been really nice to have someone on the team that, uh, that I just have never felt that need. You know, I always feel like you're looking out for the best interest of a first, the people who consume our content, secondly, us, and then finally, uh, yourself. As cool as that is, what means more to me is when we sit down and we paint a big vision, you're ready to go there without a lot of convincing. It's obviously because you've had this amazing childhood where it's been faith-filled your entire life and you've never had any real challenges or issues. So obviously moving on faith is not not hard for you, uh, but we know in reality that's not that's not your actual true background or story, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Um, I grew up in a church and wore my khakis and went to Sunday school. But this is also the same church that would not marry my wife and I for the reason, in my opinion, is my family was, they tithed well. My mom and dad at the time were not supportive of this marriage. I mean, we were 18 years old, right out of high school. And I wanted that pastor who I looked up to and cherished would not perform the ceremony for my wife and I. And so I start with that story because, yes, I grew up in church. I went to church every single Sunday, but that was not a church that preached grace. Yeah, we sung Amazing Grace, but I didn't really connect with the words like I do now. It wasn't a church then that maybe produced a real faith in you, right? You didn't you didn't leave that with... Correct. An understanding of who God really was and a relationship with him. Correct. And and I have a very challenging relationship with my um, father. And so I'm adopted. Um, yeah. And I tell everyone that story. Sure. I, I love telling the story because it's, it's a very Christ-like story. This is usually where the story gets good. Yeah. I got adopted and yeah. life got better. Yeah. And, and went to Disney World and, and, and ha- live happily ever after, right? And jokingly, we joke as a family. They couldn't really hide it because my sister is blonde hair, green eyes, very beautiful. And I'm this brown boy. You know, we used to call myself brown boy because I'm Hawaiian. So I right, tan yeah. so easily. The yeah. joke is... <clears throat> I get one sunburn in like May, April even, and I'm good all summer. I don't yeah, wear suntan. Right. I just tan. So <laughs> there's obviously a um, resemblance difference of sure. my mom and dad who are Caucasian. And like family photos made it pretty obvious that you were adopted. Oh, yeah. 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 And then my brother and I are, you know, yeah, right. tan and, and everything else. So very transparent. Sure. You know. Um, and so, yeah, my story is my adopt my birth mom was on drugs and we were taken away from her um at the state or from the state mm-hmm. yeah and so we my brother and i so my my dad's a retired uh, air force officer um i was at um hickam air force base in honolulu hawaii and adopted my brother and i and then we moved to colorado springs and sure. that's where i went first grade to high school mm-hmm. was able to stay there. What was family life like as a, as a younger child? It was, I mean, I was a rambunctious child, no doubt about it. I mean, I just, I, I share a lot with my, you know, the, the men at my table, you and, and different others. You know, I had a 
tough childhood, um, primarily with my father, um, highly respected military officer, demanded that respect. Respected in the, the church home. as well, right? Yes, yeah, very respected in the church. And I'll, I'll, he was the lead singer of the worship band, mm-hmm. right? And so he sung Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, right? From center stage with his guitar. But at home was emotionally, verbally, and physically abusive. And there's times, and that's why I had this really block on church because there was times where I would be driving, you know, we'd be driving to church in our blue Ford Explorer. I can picture the back seat as clear as day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the emotional and verbal abuse. But we'd walk through the doors. Smiles on your faces. Great is thy Lord. Yeah. You know, and, and that's another reason why I think I had issues. And I, I know people from my old church will hear this podcast. And, and, you know, one of the issues I think I had at that time also was you saw the signs. Sure. Pastor. He, uh, my dad was on the, uh, the elders. I think that's what it's called. Like yep. the board of directors or that. He was sure. an elder of the church and donated. We ended up donating our minivan to the church. And so it was, it was clear. Finances over faith, mm. money over faith. I mean, that's how you experienced it. That's how I experienced it. And and maybe that's not a a fair, true assessment of what happened, but as... That's how you felt. That's how I felt. That's right. And and to be honest, that's how I still feel today. Sure. So... I assume part of the reason why you left so quickly and went immediately into a relationship and marriage had something to do with this experience. Absolutely. And um, I, I have two instrumental people um let's call it post teen till today families that are really instrumental in my life one is my Mm -hmm. in-laws my mother-in-law and my sisters and sisters-in-law and brother-in-law um it's safe to say they had a family stability that you didn't have at the house i mean it's now it's kind of crazy and it's kind of the fun thing we we joke about but i mean i i lived i moved out of my family's home technically into my girlfriend's basement with her mom mm-hmm. and lived on a twin mattress in the basement, right? And we weren't married. We weren't engaged. I mean, we were dating. Sure. And um, I just have a good relationship with my mother-in-law. Um, she now lives eight streets over. Um, her and I... We have breakfast once a month, mm-hmm. you know. So my son was born in November of 2014. Mm. And in August of 2014, um, my wife and I went to Hawaii mm-hmm. for 10 days. And we mm-hmm. call it our baby moon. Um, you know, like, the, you know, we didn't really do a honeymoon because uh, we're 18, broke, right. living on that's love. Right. So we like, let's yeah, do yeah. this baby moon, right? Yeah. And so we went to Honolulu and it was great. And, and, and. The story is my wife um, said, because she's always been fascinated by my adoption, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a time that she was like, well, can I look at your family? Can I look into your family? Because my mom ended up giving us like the names, like the 
like the my birth mother and father's names mm-hmm. and last known addresses and that's all we had a couple medical records and off into the sunset we went sure and at that time I was having a hard time um, you know still repairing the relationship with my adoptive mother and father and I said I'm just not at a place right now where I can really dive into that but look into it right and when the time comes so fast forward a couple of years, we're in Hawaii, we're on Waikiki Beach, you know, the first day in there. And I remember we went to Walmart and we stocked up on a bunch of stuff, water and different other things. And I kind of made the joke, you know, that could be my dad. That could be my brother. Right. That could be my sister. Like, I don't yeah, yeah. like who I'm like. And my wife made the comment. She said, well, do you want to look into them? And I was like, do you have any information? And this shares the soul of my wife, but... She says, I do. And I said, okay, well, let me look at it. And she opens up her computer and she found my birth mom, wow, birth dad, my four half-siblings, my full, four full-blooded siblings. Wow. All via social media. And she had kept that to herself. And she kept it herself for That's years. Amazing. That's for amazing. For years. Had to have been two or three years because I just wasn't ready. Yeah. And it wasn't a, hey, you know, drop the little hints. It was just a time came and she said, here you go. And so it was impressive because we reached out to one of my sisters and it was this overwhelming, brother, I've spent my whole life looking for you. Wow. Everyone has spent their whole life looking for you. And for me... Adoption wasn't a shame, but it was a... Well, and whether you, whether you like it or not, there's some feeling of unwanted there. And then to run into a family who, or at least some portion of that family, who not only wanted you, but was looking for you. You know, and biblically yearned for me. Yeah. Like Christ has yearned for us. Mm-hmm. This family who I thought, dis- you know... Why would anyone give up someone for adoption? Sure. And to find out, and I mean, I'll share it. I'll share it. So one of the abusive tactics my adoptive father would use was my adoption. Sure. Luke, you keep up. You keep this up. You're going to be a a felon like your dad. You keep this up. Mark my words. You're going to. Be a druggie like your mom, Luke, Mark, my, you know, and I remember, I don't remember how many times he said this, but he said this. And and one of the terms was once would be enough. Once would be enough. But, yeah. you know, my biggest regret is adopting you. Mm. And regardless what age you are, 30, 47, right? 10 years old, whatever age, I had zero control of that situation. I was not, I did not choose to be born mm-hmm. into a family that essentially drugs overtook that family. Yep. And and so that was resentment and hurt and anger, mm-hmm. right, that we talked about earlier in this episode that I've been unpacking. And so literally I'm staring at a Facebook message of the sister saying, there you are. Mm-hmm. We've been looking for you. So my birth name is Ernest. I was born named Ernest. And when I was adopted, 
the next boy after my adoption was named Ernest. Mm-hmm. So they called me Big Ernest, right? And they're like, you know, we always loved and cared for you. And so the next boy that came along, we named. Oh, wow. You know, what's really significant with that story is we, 24 hours, like the next day, we are in a back, amazing food, by the way, Korean restaurant in, in North Shore, Honolulu or somewhere. Sure. And I'll never forget because I walked by my birth father going into the restaurant. He was outside, I think, smoking a cigarette or talking to someone. And I walked by him and obviously never knew him, right? And walked into that restaurant and met all but two or three siblings. Mm. I mean, just open arms. Wow. And we're in Honolulu on Waikiki Beach, sure. oceanfront room, and we spent majority of that trip with these people, with my family. Wow. What, we're, what I'm getting to is my connection with Christ now, and this will be a hard story to tell, but um, I'm sitting at this dinner table, right, this big, long Korean dinner table with the whole family, and my adoptive mom or excuse me, my birth mom looks to me and said something about my brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, my brother, yeah. You mean uh, my brother's Caleb, though him, my brother and I were adopted. Oh, Caleb. I'm like, no, 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 your, your twin brother. What? Yeah, your twin brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm, so I'm 25, probably. I don't know how old I was, but 25. And I mean, I found out a twin brother. And, and anyone that was born a twin, you know, there's this like connection of twin. And obviously I've done a ton of research yeah. about it now. And I always thought that disconnect was just me being adopted. Right. And now it's this twin brother. And so, you know, what ended up happening is that brother ended up dying at birth. And so we were both born. I don't know exactly the details of the story if he was born a stillbirth or um, shortly died after, shortly after. Yeah. I think it was a stillbirth, but essentially was a full-term baby. Mm-hmm. For me, when I enter the gates of heaven, you're gonna have a twin. I'm gonna have a twin. I'm gonna have a brother that I never met. Super excited about that day, right? And but what's so what's so powerful in my story that gets to the scarcity versus abundance mindset and faith versus fear mindset? You know, I had this struggle with religion my whole life. And here is an example of literally someone, my brother, took the ultimate sacrifice for me. And, and, and why I say that is because just biologically, right, when someone takes hard narcotics, uh, crack cocaine, whatever, while pregnant, and for me not to have the effects... He, huh? t- he took the hit for you. Like Christ did for us. Man. My brother to sacrifice his life for me gives me a charge today that I have to live a life of faith. I have to live a life of abundance. Or it would have all been for nothing. Hmm. Wow. So I share that because that's the foundation. Now, not everyone has that powerful of a story or a metaphor 
or um, oh, we we all do have that story. I, I think the problem is is that as Christians, we don't often connect with that story, and that story is Christ's um, sacrifice for us, which was a willing choice to take on the burden and then die for the sins of humanity, both past, present, and future. Yeah, so you make a good point. You made you made a perfect word in that that I want to connect with, and that is choice. Mm-hmm. Christ went to the cross by choice. He went by choice. My brother did not. That's true. And so, yeah, it's just something I carry. It's it's it once was a burden, but now is such an inspiration for me to do what I can for who I can. Sure. Greg is another man that's in my life that just, he had a temper, mm-hmm. you know, just just generally. He had a temper. You know, there was this time period where he didn't have a temper anymore. And I remember asking him one time, like, you know, you, you had this anger problem as a kid. I remember you, like, really having kind of an explosive temperament sometimes. Sure. How did that change? Why did that change? And he said, I laid my anger at the feet of God. Mm. He was the only one. God is the only one that can take that off of my heart. Wow. It took a while for that to happen, mm. but he is the nicest, gentlest man that I know. Yeah. And that story resonates so well with me because how old were you whenever you had that conversation with him? It was just a few years ago that I asked him that. And this was a huge transformation of my life of connecting with um good solid Christian men and and reconnecting my life to God. But I would say that was the first time that I knew someone personally that admitted that they took this part of their life, laid it at the feet of the cross, mm. and God took it from them. And that they were truly different. And they were truly different, and their family and their spouse and their kids and everyone in the wake of mm-hmm. them is, is, is benefited. If I'm honest, I have anger towards my adoptive father for not being the grandfather he could be and should be. Sure. And because my grandfather is such an amazing man in my life, and I talk to him weekly, Sundays right. I call him, um, helps me with my business. He was a very successful businessman, such a strong person in my life. And so I have anger and resentment towards my f- adoptive father. I mean, he took us out of this drug-infested, state-ran society, you know, um, situation environment and promised to me and to my brother and to God and to the state that he would love and cherish and give us a life of abundance. Sure. And I, he would say he did that. I would say he didn't. Sure. So. But you have a friend who has anger issues. Well, yes. You recognize that in you, you have your own set of anger issues? To answer your question, it gave me hope, right? And so if my best friend's dad can lay his anger issues at the feet of God and God would take that away, then 
he could do that for my adoptive father. He can do that for me, and he has done that for me. Tell me a little bit about the journey from that moment uh, to now. So, so you have this conversation with your friend. Mm. He starts to redefine what you think Christ can do in your own life. And where do you, what do you, what do you do with that? Where, where do you go now? I, I got out of the military in 2013, and then my wife and I moved to from Texas. We did our, I did my entire military career in Texas. And then we moved up here in North Denver, planted roots. I got a job as a healthcare administrator downtown at a corner office and suit and tie and, you yeah, know. Yeah, doing the nine to five. Yeah. We bought a house here in Denver and our two neighbors to the left of me and to the right of me are now my best friends. And I remember my wife, uh, she's going to kill me for sharing this story, but she asked the neighbors, like, does anyone go to church? And, and our, one neighbor was like, we're Catholic, but we only go Easter and Christmas, which they'll be fine if <laughs> sure. I tell them that. And then my other friends, uh, Jim, they they say, oh, well, we go to this church called Flatirons here in Denver. Okay, great. I remember I why coming back into the house, my wife was, she's like, well, I asked that because I just wanted to see if we were living next to those religious types or, yeah. you know, or like, we're going to have like, you know, some <laughs> those, crazy those religious weirdo, types. Those next, weirdo next Christians, us, which, man. They probably celebrate Christmas and crap. Which is funny because yeah. I'm happy now to claim that label, you yeah. know? Um, but I share that because my, my uh, friend Jim ended up coming just a few weekends later. And, and one of the, uh, slogans our church uses is come and see, mm-hmm. right? And so Jim comes over, knocks on our door one night late at night and gives us the brochure mm. of, of, um, flat irons and says, yeah. Hey, here's the information. If you want to come, come on out, look at it. Right. And my mother-in-law wasn't living in Colorado at the time. She was living, um, back east and she came into town a couple times and of course as the good son-in-law i am we went and tested some churches out yeah. right because that's what the good son-in-law does yeah and we went to a couple churches here and it just didn't connect and anyways went to flat irons first and um two things one the church has a logo and that ch- church service they released the logo with the american flag yeah, so it's uh, it's a, uh, it was um, basically looks like uh, the flat irons, the mountains, yeah. and then behind it, I think they normally had it was uh, orange. orange or black yeah. or something, and they had changed that back, the black or orange background to the flag background, and they did that for a particular reason. They did, and that was to say, hey, we support our troops. They were starting a military veterans um, initiative of bringing veterans and military individuals in together in like a small group or something like that. I think they played Eminem or Eminem rap song. I was like, what song? So I'm like, where, where, where are we? Yeah, right. You know, this and, is not church. And so of course I come back. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. I remember, I, re- I clearly remember I got that sticker mm-hmm. and I put it on my car and I sent a picture to my neighbor. Like we're it. Yeah. Wow. You know, we're it. Shortly after that, there was the, uncommon retreat so there's a men's retreat in the mountains and it was uncommon and it was military based mm-hmm. like that a, a military basic training kind of study guide and curriculum and like an obstacle race and i remember shooting guns if i recall shooting right? guns, guns and then yeah. i was i volunteered your ideal men's retreat because i didn't want to do the um i didn't want to do the actual course but i was just out of the military 
So they had like a sand pit, a volleyball mm. pit, and part of the obstacle course was to like army yeah, crawl through yeah. it. And so I was the guy with the hose. Oh, wow. Spraying yeah. the people crawling through, yelling military slang terms. That was awesome. It was awesome. I'm yeah, like, yeah. this is awesome. And just bumped in hard with with God. And again, I'm, I'm big in not sharing other men's story, but uh, Jim Bergen, the pastor, shared his story. Mm. Powerful. 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 I've heard his story. It's 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 great. And it'll, then it'll tear you down to your core. Just some some talking with some, you know, other men there. And then, you know, the healing starts after the retreat. And so again, I had a nice corner office right at at the job I had. So I had my laptop consistently streaming every episode of every sermon that Jim did. Mm. Flatirons did. Um I don't want to say I. I don't think your struggle was ever with God. I think your struggle was always with religion, and so now you're you you've kind of come to this uh, this realization. You know, you're you're turning back towards God. You're lucky to have gotten connected to a church that really goes out of their way to get rid of all the BS, quite frankly, that goes along with quote unquote religion, and really just focus on your relationship with Christ. And uh, you've got a regular job. And so let's bring the springs of story sort of back full circle. You're about to do something on faith again. Yeah. So I um, ended up changing career, uh, changing jobs into a different healthcare company, kind of getting sideways with my boss. And she also goes to the church, uh, kind of back to that whole religious thing, right? Um, I was being recruited by another company. I ended up telling her that out of confidence and, again, I wear my heart on the sleeve. I'm here for you. I'm just letting you know this so we can get our ducks in a row together because I'm a team player type of scenario. And then it ended up being, nope, loop, you're gone. Right? Yeah, right. Fast forward, I was able to secure that job through a project, but which is a blessing in disguise. But that's when I went to the last men's retreat um, at Flatirons and then strictly for the purpose to connect to a men's group. Because mm-hmm. at that time, our church wasn't really into the group's initiatives. And my main intentions for that, I went, you know, to connect with, because I know at the end of those retreats, they like, hey, sign up to this mailing list and, you know, we'll pull a group together. That's when I met Dustin and Martin. Um, and it's funny because I, I was going to look at a couple of groups. Our men's group at the time was just Martin's men's group, met in his office reception area. Yeah. And the other men's group met in someone's basement. And I'm like, I don't want to take my shoes off and worry about scuffing carpets and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. I just want to, like, go and I don't want to, be like, worry about, you know, the the, the wife upstairs or are we sure. too noisy right. or whatever because uh, I'm a bull in a china shop. Right. You know, I'm, I'm that guy. And so I was like, well, this guy's doing it at his business. I'll just go there, you know. And we didn't formulated at the time, but we were unpacking the 1720 concept. I say a year. I don't think it was really that long, but way before um, we put pen to paper. Yeah. And I happily hold the title. I self-proclaim the title that I'm the first one to go through this curriculum. You are. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Martin and I, um, we talked often after the first men's group you're in your right to call it Martin's men's group because he really he really got that thing kicked off and uh, hosted it 
but I don't know. I guess we made some sort of connection through the process, and and he and I were just driven to have a men's group that was real, that was willing to, if someone had something to talk about, to spend the whole hour talking about somebody something, and to not. Uh, I told Martin I, I was really against processing people. I just didn't want to process anybody. I wanted to have real conversations about real problems. Uh, and be willing to go deep and quite frankly to be willing to challenge each other you showed up in the middle of that and we had several men come and go through that group but you were always there and you started to really like a tuning fork you know you started to really resonate with that message of of being real and one of the things we started to uh, zero in on was fear and scarcity and how that impacts your life and how that drives your decisions and how we get out of that and uh, how we change sort of the narrative that was in uh, that's in your head. And so many people identify the challenges in their life um, and that becomes the song they sing. And we really settled on a different song and that song was the But of Course song. Mm. And that one concept, but of course, really was the beginning pillar of 1720. It was sort of the first thing we all latched onto together. That is a transformative concept. And that is, if you will start to recognize that, uh, and Ed Millett really, I think, coined this phrase, but I I love it so much, I'm going to steal it and use it here. And that is, uh, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. And if you will start to say, when things that go right, you say, well, but of course, but of course that would happen. But of course you would land yourself in Colorado. But of course you would have a neighbor that goes to Flatirons. But of course. But of course your wife would have done the work in advance prior to you ever going to uh, Hawaii, have done the work in advance and be prepared when your heart was open. But of course you would have that there. But of course you have a family out there that's looking for you. But of course you connect with those guys. But of course... Now, we could tell a whole other story. You had an abusive father. You are a victim. Life has gone real crappy for you, so on and so forth. I got fired from my job. Or we could say you were liberated from a job you didn't really want in the first place uh, to go follow your calling. So as we started to switch this narrative to but of course, you were really the first person to take that to heart. And I'll tell you one other thing that really has always impressed me deeply about you. You are on a journey to learn. And you're open to learning. So just thinking about that conversation that you had with your friend and how he laid his anger at Christ's feet and how that was transformed. That is a person who's willing to learn. And you were willing to learn from it. Some people could just look at that and go, well, it happened to him and never happened to me. But you took it and said, okay, well, this could be for me too. And, and we began to build this vision that was 1720. But at that same time, you started to go on this journey of, of, uh, of, of being... Uh, an entrepreneur. Yeah. And um, the but of course statement, right? And so back to our ab- abundance versus scarcity mindset. When someone has an abundance mindset, but of course life is great. But of course the glass is half full. When someone has a scarcity mindset, but of course I got a flat tire. But of course the glass is half full, right? And so that's one of the things I really try it you know as as i made that 
commitment to you men and the people around me of that being an abundance mindset that but of course it's positive right Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i've shared this with you but i'm gonna share it here um you dustin started this transformation in me and if you remember back so i was going to the men's group every week and the kind of the running joke was hi i'm luke and i you know i have dad problems or whatever you know was kind of our, our running joke um but you if i don't if you remember you were getting laid off oh yeah you're about to get laid off yeah i was actually pretty excited about it super excited yeah yeah like it couldn't come <laughs> fast enough excited <laughs> and i was like this guy is crazy yeah, you yeah. know but that laid the foundation for me of like well but of course he's going to land on his feet, right? And so for me, it was God put men and situations in my life, career-wise, personally-wise, um, friendship-wise, that led me onto this path. And I had to grip onto my faith, grip onto my abundance. And I essentially ripped the cord of of my employment and went self-employed and we didn't have, well, the 12 to 14 months of savings and all these things like in line, right? Um, severance package and all this other stuff. It was, I was able to work it out where I f- completed the project. And well, you didn't when you made the decision, but it's worth noting so many things. Once you had the switch in attitude, yeah. once you decided to go for it, have absolutely fallen into place oh. almost miraculously. But of course. But of course. Yeah. So to your point, um, and 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 what I was, I was at a nonprofit healthcare company, and I was their um, project manager of expansion. So essentially, I managed their, wait for it, new construction, right. of clinical space. Right. <laughs> and I learned anything and everything I could about that, and a. About, I mean, it's a, it's a two-year project. So year, you know, first year in of the project is when I made the choice that I'm done. Yeah. You know, I worked on my own company at night and on the weekends, and I always carried my own private computer. And people would ask why. Well, little did they <laughs> no. know I was multitasking <laughs> yeah. like it's nobody's business. Right. And you and I, you know, we share a lot of stories, and I think we joke, but what it would take someone eight hours to do. I think only takes me an hour to do. Right. I procrastinate the other seven hours. That's right. <laughs> there's still eight hours being spent. Yeah, yeah. there's still eight hours used <laughs> of, of, of auto stuff and YouTube clips and, and whatever. But um, yeah, so I made that. All right, I'm done. And then the, the company says, well, we'll keep you under this project. I'm like, well, I kind of want to stick it to the man and drop you guys in the middle of the project. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to stick through it. And that's exactly what I'm doing now for a cause that I believe in now. Um, had a lot of anger mm. towards them. And at the end, they ended up putting my name on the founder's wall or the um, donations wall. So, like, I have a plaque mm. on the building with my name on it. Yeah. Um, and then they gave me, uh, I should have wrote the, the a Proverbs verse, I think it's twelve six, but commit to the Lord your plans and he will guide the way or he will make the way. And this is an anti, not anti-religious, but a non-religious organization. Sure. 
Um, it's a government organization. I mean, they're government contractors. Gov- or, no, they're uh, government funded. Government you get a lot funded. of government funds, yeah. right? So many things you can't talk but about. But it is a big deal yeah. that my boss and yeah. my team gave me a Bible verse and they yeah. signed the back of it, you know, wow. like nice thing. But yeah, everything fell in this place. Everything fell into place. And a lot of it, majority of it was the men in this group. And the number one thing my wife says is, I mean, she'll move mountains to make it where I can leave on Wednesday nights to um, connect with, with the men at this table mm. and the men in our group. And and that's huge. I mean, I learned we had a, 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 a gentleman in our group that had uh, addiction problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a men in a group that um, cheated on his spouse, right? Like, the crazy stuff and sitting back and just like learning how God worked in their life was amazing. I remember, um, I remember going and having lunch with you around that time that you were considering, you know, I think you just actually decided you had your own business, you were working on the side and got a chance to sit back with you and, uh, and you, and I asked you, so what, what was your dream? And, and you, and you gave me like this sheet of paper or something like that. <laughs> so proud. Yeah. And, uh, it's my seven bullet points. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're super excited about it. And my, my immediate response is why so small? Why so small? Why are you dreaming so small, man? Like, what's that all about? And we went through a, a real journey uh, at that table that has continued to go, which is why so small? Why are you dreaming so small? Why are you starting from where you're at and doing compounding interest five years out and saying, that's your dream instead of saying, God, I've got this massive dream. Let me give that part to you and I'll do what I got to do today. And you fill in the gaps, create a God gap in your dream. And that was really, that was the beginning of the God gap concept actually in 1720, which is that your dream should exist in such a way that if God doesn't show up, there's no way that it'll actually occur because there's a requirement for him to show up and, and to dream a dream that's big enough to where that's true. And even today, I think uh, we're still working you through the dreaming process, which is exciting to me. But one of the, I want to kind of bring it our immediate past. So we, I think a couple, literally a couple nights ago, one of the things that you, uh, we were at uh, men's group and I think it was just me and you that night yeah. for whatever reason, uh, you had said to me, what was what happened to me bad? And I remember looking at you and saying, well, you're who you are mm-hmm. and I like mm-hmm. who you are. And so I don't know if your childhood was bad. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, people would say it could have been better. Better things could have happened to you. You could have had a father that wasn't this. You could have had a mother who wasn't that. But I really like who you are today. We didn't really talk about sharing this, but I I hope that you can. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've always wanted to. There's two people I've told this story to, you in person. And my wife mm-hmm. at a Chick-fil-A while the kids were in the play place. And I told our Fred Martin um, over uh, our internet communications, but I'm, I'm happy to share this story. And so I'm working on a big VA bid, um, got everything pulled together. Scared. Scared. Um, realized I had some errors in my spreadsheet. So what I thought was there wasn't there in some places. So got everything pulled together. The email craft is, now I'm going to go to lunch. I'm going to grab a bite to eat come back to the uh, house, review everything, and submit it. So I'm in the Panera parking lot um, in the car and have the radio on and order the food, you know, and um, 
waiting for the car in front of me to order. And I start praying, right? Because one of the things that we're trying to you know, do is, is read the Bible more and pray more. And, and Martin gave this really neat Bible app on reading and some videos on explaining the Bible. So I'm really digging into that and then just trying to pray more, pray for my kids, my family, um, et cetera. And so I just start praying. And subconsciously, it's, I think it's, it's a scarcity prayer. Oh, God, we really need this to win it. We need, you know, X. We need Y. And like anyone, if you're praying or thinking in your head, like you're, you're talking to yourself, right? And you mm-hmm. have like, so it's my voice in my head. And all of a sudden, I just remember I'm staring at the radio and like my whole mind goes blank. And then just all of a sudden, this loud voice, it was my voice, but if, if I'm talking at this level, it was at this level, it was five, ten times more. It was just submit and then submit, 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 just over and over and over again in my head. Submit, submit. And then, the you know, submit to the Lord your plan. You know, I have on the Bible verse on my wall is commit to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But what immediately came to my mind was submit to the Lord. And um, so, and I'm looking and I'm staring at the radio. I know it's playing, but there's, I, you can hear a pin drop. I can't hear anything except for the word submit, mm. submit, submit. And then all of a sudden the sound came back on. I started thinking what I was praying and like just kind of snapped back to it. I have never been so scared in my life. And you made the point at dinner the other day of point to a Bible verse where someone encountered God that wasn't scared, you know, fearful, the burning bush or (laughs) whatever, right? It was just a life altering experience and I was so scared. Right. So I went home and I think I, you know, emailed you guys or, you know, sent you a message. I ended up writing in a word document and then just like put it on my computer. I'm like, these guys aren't going to believe me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so now it's just, there is no, but of course there is no doubt in my mind of all the things that I've said that I need to submit to God and he will establish my plans Mm. and lay this future for us. And that's what I really enjoy about, um, again, kind of what we're doing. It's just, it's amazing. And if we can get men to submit themselves, their families, their children, this, I mean, the world will change. That's what gets me um, really excited about where we're at in 1720 and what our vision is. If we can get people to, you know, again, we talk a lot about identity. We talk a lot about uh, identity outside of your identity in Christ is an unwillingness to submit to Christ. Because you're you're hanging on to I'm an angry man. You're hanging on to I'm a person where things don't work out for me. You're hanging on to 
my 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 uh, my marriage will never get better. You're hanging on to a bunch of stories. My my mom was a, a crackhead. Uh, I'm adopted. I'm there's all of these stories that you're hanging on to. Submission is about letting go of all that crap and accepting your new identity in Christ which is not a scarcity identity. It's an abundance identity. God said he came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And he meant that. And uh, what I love about uh, just the, the overall story of you, um, and we're, we're, we're going to try to close it out, but one of the things I want to land on here is the overall story of you is a story of a man who's not finished. And I think one of the big challenges with uh, podcasts and, and things like that, or books even, is you tend to get the story after the person is perfect. Mm. And to me, that's... Or dead. Or dead. (laughs) Uh, Or at least perfect in their own mind. Um, And to me, that's a horrible place to get the story. Yeah. I think the most powerful place to get the story is in the battle, in the struggle. And uh, you have... uh, You you, you got work to do, but but from where you've come, it's just mind-blowing and, quite frankly, inspiring. And what I love about uh, this opportunity in 1720 is to be around a group of people who, uh, as they begin to step out on faith, they encourage you to step out on faith. Nothing creates belief, uh, abundance, uh, more than uh, a couple people getting together and believing that something's possible, Mm. as opposed to you just trying to believe it's possible all by yourself. Sure. And you get more people together and you get more people together and that's a movement. And then that makes it all possible. Uh, JFK got NASA together and put a man on the moon and he got them together because they surrounded themselves around some idea. And that idea caused things that were in theory impossible at the time to occur. And if you want impossible things to occur, you have got to start uh, consuming content that inspires you. Uh, you need to consume content like this where you're closer to the person uh, than so you know it's great you could you could listen to all the Elon Musk biographies that you want <laughs> but unless you went to Stanford or you're you know you're on your fourth billion dollar business that's probably sure. not going to be particularly helpful it's stories like this that are helpful and uh, I'm really excited to do this story now because I know the Luke three years from now is going to be such a radically different person. I know 1720 three years from now is going to be a radically different organization. Uh, I know our impact is going to be much larger. Uh, and, uh, and it is about freeing these people up from these stories they've been telling themselves It's about helping people live a better course life. And I am so, uh, just incredibly inspired by you. And I know you inspire Martin and really everybody you come in contact with. And one of the things that excites me is your willingness to pour back into mm. everyone, everyone. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a powerful Testament and, and you are a different man than I met. Mm. And that's uh, not many people change. Sure. People change tactics, uh, but people don't change, but you are changing. And I think you're changing in much the same way your friend changed. Yeah. Um, because of Christ. Definitely. And um, I appreciate that. And the, the feelings mutual. Um, so when I went home after God spoke to me, no caveat there, I uh, pulled up my Bible app and did kind of a, a word search on submit. And the, the verse, first verse, but of course that was on the list and slapped me in my face was Job. God, I love that. I love uh, this Job. verse. 
Job 22.21, and it says this, Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. So submit is exactly what God told me to do. Be at peace, opposite of anger. In this way, prosperity, money, and the legacy we leave on this fam- you know, on this world, right, um, will come to me, will come to us, will come to you. It just flies in the face of the story that life has to be a struggle. Yeah. Nothing about that verse is a struggle. I tell you what the struggle that people are experiencing is, their unwillingness to submit. Yeah. And how God keeps slapping them around with an experience, hoping to draw them back to him and saying, maybe this time, maybe this time, this will be the lesson. This will be the time they learn the lesson and they can come back. That shows you how hard-headed I am that God literally had to speak to me in a Panera parking or in a drive-thru as I was waiting on my French onion soup in order for me to really understand. Um, That's certainly one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is uh, look how special you are and look at what that might mean for God's plans for you. And the story that I'm able to share for someone else. Um, No doubt about it, and I appreciate that, but I want you to embrace the fact that God has a very specific plan for you. I tell you one of the things that I really get inspired for you is you do things. You put things in motion, and uh, that's huge. And that's a that's a huge. Uh, anyways, don't don't sidestep it. It's mm-hmm. definitely definitely you're gonna you know you're gonna return the value. You're gonna return. You're gonna provide a return on God's investment in you. But that being said, He still chose to invest in you. Sure. And that is a um, that is a concept worth owning and and enjoying and uh, just allow it to power that peace. Right. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. And uh, Luke, I tell you, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. Uh, I look forward to future installments on this story. Mm. Uh, I appreciate your transparency. I know there are a number of people who uh, are struggling with similar feelings about adoption, similar feelings about family. Uh, I know there are people who have been in abusive relationships with family uh, who have had bad experience with church religion. Um, this is all a powerful Testament. Um, and I can tell you, uh, while you are an awesome and amazing man, you are no superhero. You are not, uh, you're not, uh, blessed with like insane, you know, you know, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, is that someone who hears this story know that they can do it too. It's absolutely possible to go on the same journey and have similar outcomes. Um, because what you really do is you, you cast all this at the feet of God and that's what you're getting better and better at. It's so, so impressive. So anyways, um, we're going to wrap this up, but thank you again, Luke, for taking the time to be so transparent and to share your story. Um, my prayer is that it is, uh, a story for that empowers other people to, uh, chase their own dreams and dream big. Me too. Thanks for uh, joining us on this journey, guys. uh, As always, uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Leave us a review. It's always helpful. The more reviews that you leave, the more likely this podcast is to be found in iTunes and in Google Play by other people. Also, subscribe to our uh, newsletter at 1720.org and follow our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash 1720.org. And the .org is in there. And uh, follow our Facebook page. 
we really appreciate your time and I appreciate you, Luke and, and justice for staying extremely late this evening <laughs> and helping us get this podcast Thanks, out. Justice. Uh, good night. Night.